0: Hey everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0?
1: Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground.
0: Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones.
1: Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah.
0: Uh, There's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of, but there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up.
1: Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current
0: version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You are now listening to the Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. The Babylon Bee, your trusted source for Christian news satire. Or is it? We'll find out today on The Sound of Sanity, and I, of course, am Nathan Alberson, your humble and obedient host, joining you right here. It's a good day to be an American. Wouldn't you agree, CEO of Warhorn Media, Chief Executive Officer Jacob Menzel?
1: Every day is a... Sure.
0: (laughs) It's a good day. Taylor Swift's got her new single out. What do you think about Taylor Swift's new single, Jake?
1: Uh, You just played it for me. I listened to it for the first time.
0: No, I've been listening to it nonstop. It's got all the references to Kanye, or I don't know what it is, but uh, all that other teeny
1: bopper drama. Teeny bopper drama. (laughs) Trauma. Kanye's got to be be in his forties or something, right?
0: Yeah, but I think they have a feud. He ran up on stage during the. The something oh yeah awards and is stole, that sold from twitter or twitter what's her name taylor taylor swift
1: is that a thing that happened
0: that is the thing that happened
1: is that the thing where he was like hold up <laughs> 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 uh, i'm gonna let you finish that one yep probably something
0: like that i think he thought that beyonce should get it oh uh-huh. but taylor swift she deserved it she's america's sweetheart or she was until this uh, new single, which nobody likes except for me. I like it. It's got. Uh, she's got smarter and harder in the nick of time. She rose up from the dead. She does it all the time, Jake. Whoa. She's got a list of names, and yours is in red, underlined. hmm. She checks it once, then she checks it twice. Oh.
1: <laughs> just though, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's always fun to read the lyrics off of. So
1: should I be flattered that Taylor Swift has my name in?
0: No, it sounds like a bad thing because then she says, "Ooh, look the... what you made me do! Look what you made me do!" I'm flattered look that I have What you so just much made influence. me do? <clears throat> she you don't trust nobody and nobody trusts her, she'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams, man. Okay. I'm sorry, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Why? Because she's dead. Ooh. As an actual lyric from the song. Mind blown.
1: Now we are joined today. This will be totally fresh two weeks from now. <laughs> yes. Only the
0: most topical content on the, uh, what's the show called? Sound of Sanity. Uh, we are also joined by our beloved beloved. What's your thought, Jake? I always stop myself and pronounce that word both ways, because I I, this is an equal opportunity podcast, as we know, I take in on the whole spectrum of our listeners, including people that like to say beloved and people that say beloved. What is your thought on how that word should be pronounced? Beloved. Beloved, yes. Mm, Beloved, yes. I hate it when people in weddings read things from the scriptures, or other places where one might have reason to read the King James from the scriptures, and they say, beloved. Yeah. Just like no dude you might as well just throw gravel on the audience
1: might as well retranslate it to loved ones yeah
0: exactly might as well do that yeah a beloved I, there's a movie called immortal Be- beloved and i think it's a dumb movie if the title is immortal beloved yeah but it's an awesome movie i don't know i've never seen it but it's an awesome title at least it's a movie about uh the great Beethoven. Uh, yeah. beethoven yes there he is I was just about to introduce him, our beloved engineer, production assistant, <clears throat> that's right, Mr. Benjamin Solzer, probably the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the entire world. Probably. Probably. Can't be proven for sure. It can't be proven for
1: sure? <laughs> also True. can't be disproven. But it can't be disproven, that's
0: right. True or false, when you look at the, your uh, Rolodex of all the women that have rejected you, a Rolodex that grows in size and weight and meaning with each passing day.
2: That's know. right. When That's you look at this true.
0: Rolodex, you blast Taylor Swift songs, some T Swift songs.
2: She might even be in my Rolodex, although <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that I even got a creepy hit single from her due to our breakup. So, you, you, bad blood wasn't about you. No, baby, now you have bad blood with Taylor Swift.
0: No, what about Love
2: Story? I I, I haven't even I actually haven't listened to either of those songs. It's been too painful. <laughs> 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 you know what my advice is ben no nathan what's your advice just shake it off o- okay just shake do you it think off. should i write a hit single to help me shake it off i think you should it's called shake it off shake it off shake it off i can already feel it coming <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to help me write it we're going to play it on the sound of sanity is that
0: the chorus <laughs> shake it off shake it
2: off ah, i'm thinking it might, might be the chorus yeah <laughs> Maybe so. It's going
0: to have the exact same title as the hit Taylor Swift song of two years ago or whatever, whenever her last album came off. How fitting. Um, Yeah, yeah, might get some clicks that way. People will be like, yay, Taylor Swift. And then they'll have the joy of realizing that they're watching you.
2: (laughs) I wasn't planning to make a video, but Are you not going to make a video? No, do you think I should?
0: I think video killed the radio star.
1: Okay. And yet here we are. And
0: yet here we are. (laughs) Anyway, Ben, I need you to stop wasting our time.
2: I'd be happy to do that,
0: Nathan. Okay. I'm here to serve. <laughs> Only here to serve. Um, right. Just like me, your humble obedient host, creative director of Warhorn Media, if I didn't already say that. And today we're going to talk about a subject that is weighed heavy upon the old gray cells of yours truly and... Ours truly, Jake Menzel. We've discussed this many times in the, the privacy. How do you feel about that word, Jake? You like to pronounce that privacy or privacy?
1: Uh, it depends on if I'm being ironic or not.
0: Okay, and if you're being ironic, you pronounce it privacy. And if you're being unironic, you pronounce it privacy. Privacy. So, in the privacy of, of, of our domicile with the microphones safely stowed away, we've discussed the Babylon B and we've True said. True story. Eh, we're not sure about this Babylon B. True or false? True. And yet. We've always been a little hesitant to address it with the privacy being done away with and the microphones being taken out of their boxes set up, plugged in and recording us for posterity. because there's quite a few people that like this Babylon B. It is much
1: beloved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Babylon B yes. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the Babylon B Ben, you like that Babylon B? Sometimes, Nathan. You like the Babylon Bee. I like the Babylon Bee sometimes. I went on their website today to look at what they have. It's called Your Trusted Source for Christian News Satire is what you see when you go to Google. This one was kind of funny. The headline is, first of all, if you don't know what the Babylon Bee is, what's the Babylon Bee, Jacob?
1: It's a satirical Christian news site.
0: Basically, it's Onion for the Christians. That's right. I think they would not be ashamed to say that. And certainly that's what anyone that was trying to describe them would say. And uh, they do kind of fake newsy headline type things. If you don't know, you probably do know because you're a Christian that listens to podcasts, which means you're on the internet, which means you've probably encountered Babylon B, unless you're one of those people that doesn't use social media at all. But if you are on Facebook or Twitter or, well, Facebook or Twitter.
1: If you're on Facebook or Twitter and you have any reformed inclinations whatsoever... Then you have encountered the Babylon Bee. You've
0: encountered the Babylon Bee. And uh, they do, they do uh, humorous uh, uh, headlines. This one I thought was kind of funny. Christian Feminist Having Trouble Clicking Submit Button on Website. <laughs> uh, and uh, that's pretty funny. I sound like I'm being ironic, but that is genuinely funny. New study confirms everything that the, the sound guy's fault. That's not really funny, but
1: it's the kind of thing that you get. It's the kind of thing.
0: I'm, I'm just going to give some more examples here. Dave Ramsey jumps into ring, lectures crowd for spending thousands on tickets. They took down Dave Ramsey there. Mm. Um, child who has all eight hundred and two Pokemon memorized, having trouble reciting a Wana.
1: Mm. Yep, got gotta go after those Pokemon fans. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a really big. T- I know. Like in our church, we have lots of Pokemon fans. Mm-hmm. A lot people of, like that kids, Pokemon.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's like the Taylor Swift of dumb things that people like. Old Earth Creation Museum, now open six billion years a week.
1: Mm, see, because. I don't actually understand the joke. Because, be, because if, if a day could be like a billion years. Oh,
0: that's a very deep, like. Uh, yeah. You have to have a little bit of knowledge of what's going on in the. With creationism debates, which I make a point of not really following all that closely. we have so labs, politics, church. Now, if you go to the no, audience, This one's
1: good. What has God ever done for me, asks man, breathing air. Because those pagans wow. that are breathing air. <laughs> it's pretty clever.
0: Yeah, it's like Romans <laughs> and 1 in understand. joke form. Yeah. What else we got?
1: I especially like their takedowns of Neil deGrasse Tyson and John Hagee and uh, Joel Osteen.
0: Those guys are jerks, no doubt about it.
1: Like this one, Lakewood Church issues eclipse glasses for gazing at Joel Osteen's teeth.
0: Because <laughs> he's got a big, goofy smile, Ben. <laughs> Get it? I, I think so. <laughs> Ben's chuckling, perhaps non-ironically, at that. <laughs> Maybe. Could be. <laughs> oh, no! The uh, what's the, what's that thing called? What's that alarm that's going off? It's The, the devil's the, the, the devil's advocacy alarm is going off. The DAA. This is the part of the show where the devil's advocate comes out, says things to play the devil's advocate so that we can get a good discussion going. And uh, who wants to be the devil's advocate today? Jake, not okay. me. Jake's Jake's raising his hand. I'll call on Jake.
1: All right. So, what exactly is the problem with the Babylon Bee? Why, why would why would there be any? concern or frustration with the Babylon B. It exists to provide some cultural commentary and to make sane, ordinary Christians who feel insane because of the culture they live in, a culture where Joel Osteen is one of the top podcasts in iTunes, feel, you know, not so crazy. That sounds like one of my favorite podcasts. I know, right? Huh. Wouldn't it be a little hypocritical to go in on the Babylon Bee? Yeah, especially that not. The function that it serves.
0: Is that the is that the full brunt that's of it? the devil. Well, devil's... that's
1: you know I'm I'm prepared to go back and forth with you guys, but that's that's mm. my th- those are my opening remarks. All
0: right, Mr. Mm. Devil, my first response would be I do like things that say that you're doing that, and in fact, <laughs> we're attempting to do one right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I like things that use humor to do that. In case people hadn't figured that out through listening to the various media that I'm featured on, I do enjoy a bit of the old sarcasm and snark and uh, humorous uh, 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 repartee and all that sort of thing. Um, I like a good joke, so I'm not going to take the tack that, like... Every word must not be idle. We must not, uh, you know, do any sort of... Uh, I mean, perhaps one could say, like, you know, human Christians just shouldn't... Uh, Man, do. I was
1: really hoping I would get to drop Elijah on you or something like that.
0: Oh, when he makes fun of the prophets? Yeah. That yeah. is like the one... Uh, Anytime I'm having a, uh, anytime I'm doubting my, uh, my, uh, anytime I'm like, oh, Warhorn Media, and especially my role in Warhorn Media is completely useless, then I go to Elijah and the Prophets and I'm like, yay, sarcasm is good. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, (laughs) Well, he was a prophet. He wasn't a regular Christian. So you're, you're not the devil. What? Oh, right. You're not the Let's devil and you are not bad.
0: Oops. <laughs> 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 As the great Ska Christian band once sang, what it was the The Supertones. Tones. The Supertones. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Or
2: Five Iron Frenzy. I don't you know which one are you talking about. I don't know.
0: Who's saying you're the devil and you're bad? I don't know. You guys do remember that, right? I'm not sure. Oh, curious. that's no
2: not idea either what you're of talking them. About. That's not either of them. That was that other. You have a computer, Ben. Oh, hold it's on. your job. I remember this song. You are the devil and you are bad. That's not the Supertones, unless I'm really mistaken. Yeah, that's the Ws. That's right. The w- The Supertones did like,
0: take a look at my girlfriend, girlfriend, she's the only one I got. I've never even heard of the Ws. No, You've- that's Supertramp. Supertramp, abort. I'm sorry. No, never mind. Okay, I was like, I don't the, remember yeah. that song at all. No, no, no. no, yeah. no. Supertramp. Sorry. Old 70s reference. The Ws. I'm not that old. Kind of fun. That are kind of fun. Kind uh, of play a little bit of the song. See if Jake, Jake, Jake probably know this song. This might be just before Jake got got himself saved and had to start listening to this stuff. Actually,
1: that's an amazing uh, image. That was their album cover. You don't remember this? Nope.
0: Well, get ready to get your funk on. Pretty fun, know. actually.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: When you're just listening to, to DC Talk all the time, it kind of breaks it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's why you listen to the Supertones. Yeah,
0: exactly. The devil and you are bad. Is- all right that's enough all right guys we've, we've veered wildly off topic let's get back to it people like it when we stay on topic it's, if there's one thing i know uh what were we talking about oh the babylon b jake was just saying that the babylon b provides a little sanity you know we all have to deal with a world where we all have relatives we're
1: like- all under constant pressure in tension in our lives, from every from the culture around us and the world around us, so we need a little bit of relief and mm. a little bit of cathartic, and laughter is good for that, and satire is good for that. And so here it is, and it's providing laughter and relief from the tension and pressures of this world. What's so bad about that? Well,
0: I'll tell you, Jake. I'm not a big fan of Babylon Bee. You know, I, I don't really have a problem with the sort of thing that the Babylon Bee wants to do. I don't have a problem with somebody wanting to do that. I just uh, think that there's some things that they do that aren't so helpful in the way that they do it. I like humor. I like sarcasm in its place. Obviously, we're doing a show where uh, part of the point is to make people feel validated and sane in a world that often feels insane. And that's part of what the bees trying to do. And I respect that. Having said that, man, the targets that they go after are so easy, Mm -hmm. so cheap. Like if you just go to the front page, we're, we're taking on... Sound guys, Dave Ramsey.
1: If you go to the celeb page, it's Dave Ramsey, Joel Osteen, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Kenneth Copeland, John Hagee, Robert Jeffries or Jeffries or however you say that guy's name, Kirk Donald Cameron, Trump. Robert Tilton,
0: Donald Trump. Yeah, there's a there's a difficult target.
1: Yeah, and before Trump, it was President Obama, mm-hmm. and you can always count on Osteen popping through. Mm-hmm.
2: They've also got Kirk Cameron on there, which. I mean, this is, I don't know, this just, I think this is just mean. Lost Kirk Cameron wanders across set of good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which, on one level, okay. (laughs) It's pretty funny. Sure. I'll give him that. But on another level. I'll uh, give him that. I don't know.
1: But the, the point you're trying to make, though, is.
2: Well, okay,
0: so we've all got an aunt that loves Joel Osteen and would probably be shocked and dismayed by the bee taking a hard, sarcastic stance against Joel Osteen. But everyone that I ever see share the Babylon Bee on Facebook is uh, are peop- and everyone that clicks like and everybody that retweets and shares it seems to be mostly my crowd of people. And um, okay, sure, the Babylon Bee is maybe doing useful work for your aunt, but your aunt's not on the internet reading the Babylon Bee. You are, and you know Joel Osteen's bad. Joel Osteen is an incredibly easy target. And you don't, it doesn't cost anything for you and you don't have to repent of anything. And the joke's not on you. The joke's just on people who like Joe Olstein like your dumb aunt.
1: So here's, here's the thing then, if you're going to be a prophet and the satire is, I think a prophetic type of work, then you need to have skin in the game. Your prophecy is it it needs to take some risks and it needs to it needs to come at some kind of cost to you occasionally. Mm-hmm. Right? The problem with, with the B is that the, the B has what 350,000 followers on Facebook and they're all reformed ish type. It's the same crowd. It's the Gospel Coalition crowd, it's the Desiring God crowd and it's everybody who likes to get their laughs in at guys like Joel Osteen. Um it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything to go in on Joel Osteen if your goal is to build your brand in that particular demographic. It doesn't cost anything. It, it's it's like it's like um, all these guys going on Twitter and Facebook in the wake of Charlottesville and being like Nazis are bad.
0: Ooh, brave stance. Yeah, I, like, I think the B actually did. The B did it. That was
1: that was one of the best things I've seen the B do because it was the closest thing to actually throwing some jabs at at themselves mm-hmm. at the people at their own audience it's just it's not respectable to 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 go after easy targets that's all mm-hmm. it's just not that's exactly what the b the b that was a moment of self-parody because that's all the b does is go after easy targets even when they went after grudem for endorsing trump the entire reformed world was calling on him to back down and he eventually did right right and so the b was just riding the wave of approval within the camp. And you can do this all across the board. People make it make a make it their thing to preach to the choir and in an edgy way and pretend that they're being prophetic. And, and Twitter basically build, exists build as their the bad, to do that. Build their bad boy cred mm-hmm. that way. And everybody's like, oh man, he's going after all the things that I hate. And that hasn't gotten me any credibility. Therefore He's a real edgy prophet, but, you know, he's also representing 350,000 other people out there just like me. And it's still playing to the crowd. And and if you go on, you know, I don't know when this episode is going to drop, but I guarantee you, if you go on the B right now, you're going to see something about Sanger or Planned Parenthood, something about Joel Osteen, something about a charismatic who's stupid, something and about something about lame, Christian
0: music. Lame stream worship-y kind of... Yeah, uh, lame,
1: sh- lame stream worship music, and lights and sound and whatever. And those are the four things. And maybe something about Donald Trump. Right? But
0: okay, let me, let me play devil's that advocate here. That will be here. it. We, we all really do have ants and we do live in a world where people do vote for Donald Trump. People do like Joel Osteen. People do certainly have lame worship music. We all actually do, to some extent, deal with these problems. They are all, all our problems they are they they are to some extent our problems, even if our particular crowd, the warhorn media crowd, is generally going to be a little bit more hardcore, reformed, edgy kind of folks, if it's okay to say that. yeah, um you know, there's lots of people that do live in lamestream Christian evangelicalism, and the bee d- is sort of poking fun at that. And,
1: the bee's not an equal opportunity prophet though. And that's the problem. I'm all for let's you know. Let's take down Joel Osteen. Osteen. He's a false teacher who does not. He deserves to be taken down. He has the second highest you know rated podcast in iTunes for a reason. And there are people led astray. Let's take down Joel Osteen.
0: After Jen Hatmaker, who is a cheap, easy you know the B could do her in a heartbeat and be the
1: same thing. Here's the thing: biblical prophets are equal opportunity haters. Can't just they're not haters. All right. But I'm going to use the word anyway. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. The biblical prophets are equal opportunity haters. They're equal opportunity confronters of sin wherever they see it. And their focus, they'll they'll speak about the sins of the Ammonites and the Hittites. They'll speak about the sins of the Philistines. They'll speak about, you know, occasionally there'll be a prophet to Nineveh, but their focus is always inward. It's not outward.
0: What are the sins that Actual, that we, that you and me in this room, that the people who actually read and enjoy The Bee are committing, what are we actually tempted by? It's not Joel Osteen, that's for sure.
1: No, what it is is a cliquish crowd of 350,000 people on Facebook who. Just want to feel good about themselves for not being as stupid as those idiots who, like Joel Osteen and charismaniacs and who th- who think Donald Trump's going to res- make America great again. Mm-hmm. That's that's who the that's who we are. We're the ones that want to feel self righteous about not being those people who think we're smarter and better than those people. You could almost argue it's as much about class. It's classist, classist as it is anything. Charismatics, Trump lovers, Joel Osteen fans. And Sound and Lights Christian worship people, they're of a class of people that is stupid and lowbrow, unsophisticated in their, theologi- in their understanding of scripture, and therefore not worthy of the time of day, not worthy of anything but being mocked on Facebook. And we feel like a minority among them, and so let's just, it, like we can't do anything about it, so let's just laugh at them. Mm-hmm right? And that's not taking those people seriously. It's not caring about those people and it's not looking at ourselves. It's just insincere. Your sarc... your sarcasm ought to be sincere. Right. (laughs) Sincere sarcasm. (laughs) And I mean that with no irony. I know. (laughs) Your sarcasm
0: ought to be sincere and he means that with no irony. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're going to take on Joel Osteen, the first thing that you should ask is why do so many people love Joel Osteen? What is it about this guy? He seems like such a fraud. He's got a big smile. He publishes books called Your Best Life Now. He seems like an idiot. It seems like only morons would like Joel Osteen. And yet, people who aren't morons like Joel Osteen, people who work jobs and hold together lives and have kids and bring them up in something like the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, like Joel Osteen. Why? Why? If you've never asked that question then what business do you have satirizing Joel Osteen? Joel Osteen's easy to make fun of and he's fun to make fun of. I'm not, I'm not saying don't make fun of Joel Osteen, but he's got awesome teeth. He does have awesome teeth. And he is he is a wolf. He's a he's a false prophet. He's leading people astray. He's leading simple people astray. And it's sad. Real people. And, and and sometimes sarcasm can be a wonderful tool against somebody like that. I don't have a problem with that at all. But if you've never, the Babylon Bee never, in my estimation, anything I've seen of it, gives me the indication that they've ever actually thought about why somebody might like Joel Osteen. And you can go deep and you can make cutting satire, but you have to ask yourself, what is it about Joel Osteen that appeals to me. How is Joel Osteen resolving the tensions that I feel in a cheap, easy McDonald's way?
1: And then you can apply that same principle where you see it in John Piper, where you see it in your heroes that you love and that you respect and that you admire. And that that's what a good satirist would do. A good satirist would find the ways to see in himself and in his heroes the same things he sees in his antiheroes and his villains. And he'd satirize that too.
0: You have to start yeah. by assuming that the, the joke is on you. Yeah.
1: But the joke with the bees never on you. It's always on those people out there. Everybody that shares it, they're sharing it because the joke's on people out there, not because they feel like, ooh, got my number.
0: What I always think is that any satirist would do well to look at the three-year career of Jesus Christ and think about who he actually took on and why. He didn't spend a lot of time on the Romans. He didn't spend a lot of time on the whores. He was straight up about the sins of everyone, but principally... He went after the Pharisees.
1: But the reality is, these guys aren't taking on the Pharisees. They think they're taking on the Pharisees, but they're taking on the Samaritans. If you, here's, here's the simple test. Go pick, go pick out 10 random people in your church and say, who would you say out there is a leader who represents the face of true Christianity today? And if any one of those people in your church say Joel Osteen, then the bee's right on. The bee's right on target and doing Jesus' work. But who says that? No, Nobody that's listening to this podcast. Nobody listening to this podcast. Unless you accidentally
0: clicked on it because our thing's links to Jen Hatmaker on— It doesn't uh, anymore. It doesn't anymore. Okay, we Now, here's a question. I have somebody in my small group, Jake, at church. I lead a small group. I have somebody that may well love Joel Osteen for all I know. Is the bee doing any work for her? She's an old lady, and she probably would never see the bee in a thousand years would be the first answer, and not a bad one, I think. Yeah. But what else would you say to that? I mean, in other words, there is a there is—I'm coming back to my devil's advocacy point of a few minutes ago. There is actually a group of lamestream evangelicalism that does kind of engage with this. I mean, in other words, maybe the bee is just not for us, Jake. Maybe it's for uh, another, a different
1: crowd. When Jesus visited Samaria, he came across a woman at a well. And what he didn't do in Samaria was go and uh, take on the leaders of Samaria— And the samaritans what he did was he called the woman out on her sin and called her to worship the one true god and he saved his criticism and his public criticism for the people who were actually influencing and shaping the true people of god that's my answer that woman in 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 your small group um she's an older woman who has lived among the samaritans her whole life And has sins that are real and broken places and has been led by all kinds of false teachers who don't have the first clue about who the true God is. And what she needs is to be loved and to have her sin pointed out. When she wants to talk about Joel Osteen, your answer is not this mountain or that mountain, but in spirit and in truth. Mm -hmm. And the bee's not doing any any of that work.
0: It's a little difficult to talk about, I think, because, look— We're doing a show right now. I mean, I'm going to have to get a little meta here, sorry. But uh, there will be episodes where we take on things like Joel Osteen. There will be episodes where y'all listen to us and you say, yeah, right on, I feel validated. We wouldn't be doing our job if we weren't. We want humble, normal Christian people to feel not insane. We want them to feel validated in a certain sense. Yeah, And sometimes it's fun to do that with humor.
1: No, I, I mean, I think, if not willing to be critical of those in our camp like the bee, Right. Um, then we're just as bad as we accuse the bee of being behind closed doors. And so here we are. Right. And uh, you may not like it and you may disagree with it and you may feel like we're stepping on your toes because you really think it's such a relief uh, when you see that bee headline that you never click on and read the article to. Right.
0: (laughs) Um, Maybe you go to to a church with really lame, mainstream kind of worship music and so the bee does a piece and you're like, yeah, man. I wish people understood the glory of God. I wish that was in my worship music. I feel that way all the time. Man, it's nice that the bee knows I feel that way. I understand that. I don't think the bees actually... And uh, We're going to talk later in the show about some articles that I th- just think the bees should never do that, that are I just think are wicked. But I think for the most part, the work would be fine if it was part of a larger work, which was to call out the wolves, to call us out on our own sins, to satirize what actually needs to be satirized.
1: But then, you know, the bee wouldn't be so popular. And that would be a problem, wouldn't it?
0: Well, now you're just engaging in ad hominem.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I suppose the real devil's advocate response is we're all so embattled. We're all in the midst of this huge, call it a culture war, call it something else, but it sure feels like a culture war where everybody's attacking and everything's being polarized in a really stupid way, where everything's, you know, Nazis or Antifa. Mm Mm-hmm. And the only thing that mainstream Christianity has to offer is Joel Osteen. sure is nice to have a community of 300,000 people who don't feel insane about that.
0: Well, here's what I would say about that. If we're embattled, what, what do you actually do in a real battle? If someone's embattled, you know, if there's a soldier and you are offering them relief, what do you do? Yes, you give them water, you give them food, you give them rest. You also give them a gun, you know, you also give them more bullets. You also say get back out there. You train them how to fight well. You train them how to fight well.
2: And so we're you're, you're, we're, we're talking about how the Babylon Bee doesn't help anyone fight well. It just helps you feel superior. It's well, not doing its job well, isn't that the, part the, of it?
1: Well, superior. the devil would say, actually, what you're really doing is engaging in friendly fire when what we need to be doing is presenting a united front against all of these threats.
2: He would say that to you, you mean? to Or to, to what to you, we're doing to now? Get, to us?
1: Uh, yeah, to us. To us here now. Right.
2: right? Well...
0: You could use the same argument, though, against the Babylon B and say, why are they engaging in friendly fire?
1: By having a sat- satirical page at all. Right. Yeah. Everybody's shooting at somebody.
2: Right. So it's it's nice that someone's fighting, but um, they need to learn where to aim, right?
1: Yeah, it's look, the, the,
2: <laughs>
1: the reform that the American church needs is deeper than the reform presented to us by the Gospel Coalition. If we're all just content... To join hands in a circle and giggle about Jill Osteen as if that is somehow going to be is the bleeding edge of of reformation and re- renewal for the American Church, then it's hopeless and we're done. And that's really the problem. The problem is that we're we're satisfied. We're so we're so satisfied with uh, with cheap thrills that feel cathartic and we call it being edgy and prophetic and it doesn't begin to address the real spiritual needs of the church in america mm-hmm. our if we think of the battle lines are joel osteen dave ramsey john Hagee, and donald trump
2: and crappy worship music and crappy worship music and and how to be more sensitive to singles and people with, you know, gender dysphoria, as that one Gospel Coalition article said.
1: Right. Those, you know, the, the Gospel Battle Coalition Lines. every week, as we talked about last week, is coming out with an article about being sensitive to singles, mm. you know, or being sensitive to those with gender dysphoria. Mm. It's like, guys, if this is where we're at, if this is the bleeding edge of prophetic ministry, if this is the work, I mean, then let's pack up and go home.
0: Okay, so now the devil would say, yeah, but the Babylon B isn't pretending to be the bleeding edge they're just doing one job and it's part of a larger job and other people you know other people get us ready for battle and they give us our ammunition the Babylon bees just they they put the wet cloth against our forehead give us a little relief and then uh, you know we can go to other places and uh, you know there's most people don't use it as their their primary thing in life and uh, you know it's just doing a little just doing a little thing that's kind of fun kind of helpful whatever
1: okay show me who else out there. And the same crowd is actually doing the work we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you can show me that, then I'll let you have the Babylon Bee. I don't, I'm not sure what else to say to that. Because the bee doesn't think. It's just part. The bee think it's, thinks it's actually doing real prophetic work. If the bee those bee thinks- who write for it and those who consume it and those who share it, they think it's doing real work. Some of the people that share it, they know that was a nice giggle and nothing more.
0: Well, I just pulled up on Christianity Today an interview with Adam Ford. He's the the B guy. Let's see what he has to say about this. So the Christianity Today CT asks... Evangelicals seem uneasy about satire at times, but you've helped us laugh at ourselves in ways we didn't before. Why is this so important? And then he says, it's important to, quote, it's important to look at what we're doing to, quote, unquote, examine ourselves. Satire acts like an overhead projector, taking something that people usually ignore and projecting it up on the wall for everyone to see. It forces us to look at things we wouldn't normally look at and makes us ask if we're okay with them. And sometimes it just makes us laugh. That's all healthy stuff.
1: What would you say about that? Well, I would say true enough. Yeah, Babylon I, B fails by its own standards. I, I
0: agree with all that as a aim, but he says satire acts like an overhead projector tasting something that people usually ignores. Nobody no, that I know ignores this stuff. We all know Dave Ramsey's kind of cheesy and Joel Osteen's a fraud.
1: He wasn't 10 or 15 or 20 years ago when it wasn't safe to go after him, but now Nobody it's safe. after him, yeah. Now it's safe. Like Rob Bell, they'll go after now. It wasn't safe to go after Rob Bell five or 10 years ago, but they will now.
0: I don't know, even in real, le- in, in real life, even apart from Christian circles, there's something that's incredibly snobby and lame, I think, about you know people that just get together to make fun of Nickelback, for example. Right. It's like, we all know Nickelback sucked. It's not, It doesn't cost you anything to make fun of Nickelback. I mean, that might sound like a dumb metaphor, but I really think it's true that sometimes you'll find yourself among a crowd of people, pagans or Christians, and you're all sharing in the fact that you think something's dumb
1: because other people like it
0: and and you're all like ah, those dumb people that like Nickelback well nobody that you know likes Nickelback you all like Radiohead or I'm sorry my references are all 20 years old here but whatever the new thing is um insert good insert topical references here (laughs) Um. (laughs) well
1: and that's where we get back to the whole fawning fest over everybody feeling the need to come out and say, and also Nazis are bad. You right. know? If you really and truly live in a place and in a church, in a context where that costs you something to say, which some people do, then say it. But guess what? Where I'm from, circles I'm in, I can't imagine that costing me a thing. So I'm not going to bother saying it because the whole point of being bullied into saying it is so that, <laughs> you know, it's it's the Lyndon Johnson quote. It's, can you bleep this out when I say it? Yeah. I can't I can't prove my opponent is a but I can sure as hell make him deny it. That's the run. That's, that's the play that's being run on us. That's the play that's being run on us. And I don't want to have anything to do
0: with it. And I think for people who would say, well, they're just doing one little thing. I don't accept that. I think... Everyone as a Christian is called to count the cost and to take up their cross. And you have to do that everywhere. And that, that even extends to how you use humor and sarcasm if that happens to be one of your jobs. That extends to the the whole Christian life. We're all called to see our sin. And it's not that you have to be a joyless jerk about it all the time. It's not that you can't ever laugh about the silliness of Joel Osteen. That's not what we're saying. You know, it's not that Rob Bell with his hipster glasses that he always takes off and holds to the side of the frame when he's photographed isn't ridiculous. These guys are ridiculous. They're they're self-mocking. You know, they're 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 already self-parodies. But don't just go after the self-parodies. Don't just go after the monsters that everybody knows is a monster. Go after the monsters that are in your own heart. Go after the monsters that people haven't figured out who's a monster are. Take a risk. Sometimes be wrong even. I mean, maybe this is dangerous to say, but I, I don't want to say just throw grenades. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is ask hard questions about things.
2: Yeah, if you're, if you're never wrong about something, then you can't, you're not doing your job. You're probably not doing your job, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So there are two other points that I wanted to address, one of which is perhaps less, less damning, but I, I still think bad. And the third of which I think is quite damning, but we'll take the less damning first. The Babylon Bee is a total... Onion ripoff. I don't know if anybody's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's noticed this.
1: <laughs> Did I get to jump back into into Dell's advocate shoes for that one?
0: Uh, yeah, you can in a second. But first, let me just uh, the onion. If you pull it up on Google, it says America's finest news source. If you pull up the Babylon Bee, it says your trusted source source for Christian news satire. I mean, they even have like similar catch lines. And then they both do the exact same kind of headline boofery. It's very much a formula that The Onion has perfected over the last 20 years or however long The Onion's been around. The Babylon Bee's just doing it. No change. And uh, what's this? The Devil's advocacy alarm is going off again. This
2: late in the show. Wow. Are you surprised by that, Ben? A little bit, Nathan. Oh, that's uh, f- It always hurts my ears. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about that.
1: Um, yeah. Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. Well, you J- you act. I'm just going to You're just going to I'm, I'm already fantasy. the devil. All right, wow. The alarm goes off and Jake is ready. He's got his little like, horns that like he pulls the, out. The bat, you know, it's like Superman and walking in and out of the booth. Exactly. You know? Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nathan it seems to me that you have no idea you think the onion is the first ever news parody anything ever but as it turns out the newspaper the satirical newspaper is a genre that goes back like hundreds of years satirical newspapers are old 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 and so the bee's just following the onion in a long tradition of satirical newspapers it's a genre you can't ask them to reinvent a genre They're just sliding right into it. I'm not
0: asking them to reinvent a genre, Mr. Devil. What I am asking them to do is to find their own voice. And it's kind of a hard, artsy-fartsy kind of thing to have to talk about. It involves a little bit of nuance, and it's not necessarily anything that I would expect most people to give a lot of, heck of a lot of thought to that aren't producing media. Maybe we're more sensitive to it because we actually do produce media as our jobs, but The Onion developed a very specific voice and a very specific style and a very specific way of doing that. And to develop that takes time, it takes diligence, it takes hard work. It may not look like work because the work involves creating disposable jokes, but there's lots of people that have gotten paid to figure out what The Onion's take is on things, how they approach things, how they do things. And they've developed a very specific machinery for doing it. And you may not just steal that. You can't, it's wrong. I think it's wicked, actually. I mean, (laughs) I'm going to go on record here. Um... You can't just steal someone's voice. You know, I understand we all have influences. I have podcasts that I like and things that I like. And I I think any writer or creator is going to have things that influence them. And you're going to see suggestions of those things. And of course, if the Babylon Bee was done the way it should be, you'd hear the onion in there. Because of course, Adam Ford probably loves the onion. And that's fine. Everybody thinks the onion's funny and they can be funny. And I, you know, I'm not saying, here's a good example. John Stewart, whether you like him or not, he came along and he did another kind of satire show, new satire, and it was in the gr- long, grand tradition that goes back to Jonathan Swift and has been around since you know the ancient blah blah blah. But he did it in John Stewart's voice. Did the unf- the Onion influence John Stewart? Yeah, probably. But did he end up sounding exactly and looking exactly and explicitly being pretty much the Onion?
1: And then there's Stephen Colbert.
0: <laughs> right. Stephen Colbert found another way to do it. And did, was Stephen Colbert super influenced by what Jon Stewart? Could Stephen Colbert exist without Jon Stewart? No. But did Stephen Colbert find a way to put his own stamp on it? Yes. And that's what being a creative requires you to do. That's what you're getting paid to do when you do creative work is to find a way to repurpose things and put your own stamp on them and filter them through what you bring to it. That's your job.
1: Late night TV is actually a really good example of this. guy. It's a very specific... Formula. Formula, genre that was created and pioneered by Johnny Carson. Maybe somebody was a precursor to that that I don't know about, but... Well, basically Steve it,
0: Allen, Jack Parr, Par- and then Johnny Carson, but yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really, the, what everything we see today... Is Johnny Carson. ...was really defined by carson everything from the band to the the monologue opening monologue there's a real formula
0: you get your monologue then your comedy bit then your commercial then your Mm -hmm. first celebrity interview maybe another comedy bit then Then a second second celebrity celebrity interview then a a song yeah
1: and conan does it and letterman did it and leno did it everybody does it but the question isn't then okay is it wrong to follow the formula the question is here's a it's actually really cool. Here, here's this very specific formula with all these constraints. Now, you better do something creative and original and find your own voice in it, or you're just a lame, horrible ripoff who needs to go away.
0: And the people that I loved, you know, as a millennial, I think probably most people would agree with me. We loved Letterman and we loved uh, Conan. Yeah. And um, the great thing about both those two men was that they both had very specific voices. Letterman was a very withering, sarcastic guy. And then Conan was an anarchist, basically.
1: Yeah, and Conan, because he was an anarchist, couldn't translate to the earlier hour. Yeah,
0: but he did a great late, late show where he just did weird sort of alt comedy,
1: anarchy. Yeah, it was totally fun. It was, you know, it was. We stayed up for it in college. And Letterman was just mean. Like Letterman I stayed up. We would have been up anyway, but you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Letterman yeah. brought a disdain for the Nicole Richies and the Paris Hiltons of the world that was always intriguing to like. Letterman was fun because you always knew that something else was going on in letterman's head like carson was just a blank like you didn't really ever know what was behind the veil with carson but i think with letterman more than anybody letterman found a way to kind of let you in on the joke without ever telling you what the joke was letterman had a disdain for the whole thing which which made him great in his way
1: yeah but but the what the what the bee's doing is, is the equivalent of like oh man david Letterman stick let's just do that but talk about christian things like cut and paste comedy.
0: Let, let, let's get a guy that looks as much like David Letterman and that talks in the same voice as David Letterman. It's probably
1: from Muncie, Indiana. Right. <laughs> you know.
0: That has the same sort of sarcastic outlook as David Letterman that has the same disdain, that, that that has every attribute of David Letterman. And the let's
1: same just, comedic sense of comedic timing as David Letterman. And let's just
0: deploy him for Christian subjects. That's, that, that, that is a good metaphor for what they've done. They've just taken the onion's I And mean, this voice. is just
1: what Christians have been doing in media for the last 30, 40 years. And it's, it's like, super lame. I don't know. Here's DC Talk. What's their latest album? Well, what was cool three or four years ago? Right. Right? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't tell you how many times, like, as just a guy, a kid in the public schools, I had people hand me Jesus Freak and tell me this was cool. And it's like, well, that's a neat Nirvana ripoff. You know that Kurt Cobain committed suicide three years ago, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I was you know, listening
2: to Jesus Freak going to that concert, I'd never even listened to a single Nirvana song. I was just like, oh, this is cool.
0: Well, that's why I want to cut a lot of people that maybe are like what are you guys talking about some slack
1: because maybe they just don't read the onion and god bless them sincerely. sure that's great but uh if you were a christian in the 90s and had no idea that nirvana was a thing and thought that jesus freak was awesome then great i i actually enjoyed that album as when i became a christian and i you know it was like 15 years old at that point but whatever you know they did a good job of basically parodying nirvana
0: when I, when I went to christian high school we had uh sometimes we had like outings and sometimes they would be at the skating rink for whatever reason and the skating rink never knew what to do when they had a bunch of christians bust in from a christian school they only knew that they had one cd which was jesus freak so they would just play the jesus freak cd over and over and over again so i always associate that with like teeny teeny bopper christian girls roller skating that's is, funny is what goes through my mind when i think of and and, and me sitting on the sidelines like i can't let people see me roller skate i i think about uh teen angst and all this kind of i have i have a very specific uh uh bad <laughs> memories associated with jesus freak but i just i can hear roller skates when what would people say <laughs> roller skate sound effect
1: and I, and I hear all these christian friends in the public school know, there weren't a whole lot of them a handful two or three maybe who are like Here's a here's something really cool that you would like because you like cool things. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds like Nirvana. If you like Nirvana, you'll totally love this album. You know, it's it's the greatest thing ever. Here, listen to Jesus talk. But with Nirvana like music, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh well, Nirvana is actually really good at being Nirvana. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> kinda like that. Or actually it was more like I'm kinda over Nirvana, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've moved on, you know, and um and that's that lack of uh, originality is uh, has just been a problem. Yeah, and know? it's
0: lame. And we've talked many times on the various Warhorn Media productions about how you know, we don't think Christians need to be out there saying they're going to reclaim the culture with art, and you know, we just have to create original, great Christian art, and then the culture. I don't yeah, care about it. That no, stuff's all lame, too. Point. That's not the point. But the point is, if you are, if you do happen to be someone who works in the arts, be original. Or me and Jake's favorite thing that we always say to each other: steal where no one's looking. And I don't remember where I stole that from. So I, re- <laughs> I, I know I stole it from somewhere, but I forgot where I looked for that. Um, but somebody said, well, somebody, some, some it's great, probably like P.T. Barnum or something. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Adv- advice steal where nobody's looking, go to the old dead guys, go somewhere else, go to some weird... Uh, th- people have always... The, uh, the great art has always been that way. You know, Elvis was a great artist because he stole where nobody was looking, which was from the blacks at the time, basically. And uh, we can make make uh, hay with his cultural appropriation, all that, all we want. But the fact is, he was kind of a genius or his producers, I don't know, whoever's responsible for Elvis's success. I don't really know the Elvis story. But uh, when you can combine... Old things in a new way and find some good sources of inspiration that aren't the same sources of inspiration I I don't consider that to be uh, I, I think that's a really good thing to do and I think that that's just part of the work that you should require of yourself if you're going to be a creative that you should just push yourself to look in place. Just look in places where other people aren't looking. It's 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 just a it's a good practice and it's helpful. And if you're going to be a novelist, a writer, a poet, a songwriter, whatever, find something that inspires you that's not the same thing that's inspiring everybody else. And then you still just shouldn't straight up rip that off. But you know, let that feed into you. <laughs> we are not God. We can't actually create anything but what we really do in our brains if you want to get all philosophical about it, is we recombine things that's what creative work is it's recombining ideas and interest in finding interesting patterns but recombine more than the three ideas that happen to be popular at the time
1: just to reiterate that's not our our main objection but it is a it is an objection
0: yeah so Third objection to Babylon B. Now, Ben, we should ask, you love the Babylon Bee, right? It's your trusted uh, source of Christian satire, your favorite thing, you wake up in the day, you make yourself a cup of joe, you read some Babylon B. you feel validated. You feel good about your Christian life. You look at your creeper Rolodex of women that have rejected you. You sit in the corner and you sob. You listen to Taylor Swift, and it's, uh,
2: a, it's a roller coaster of emotions, <laughs> it's A roller coaster <laughs> it's ride of is. emotion. Yeah, and then you get Every up and day. you face
0: the day, and you uh, several hours later, not without yes, <laughs> several <laughs> hours. <laughs> your your aunt and all your friends, you know, they're all into Joel Osteen. They love the Joel Osteen, and you're just like, thank you, Babylon B. You finally took on Joel Osteen for me. Somebody had the courage to take on this fraud, Joel Osteen, that everyone loves in
1: the Reformed Christian world. And you did it so well that I don't ever have to talk to my aunt. I can just post your articles on Facebook.
2: Yeah, she told me, well, you know, I used to think his smile is great, but then I realized that that's like part of his commercial image. And the Babylon Bee is really tapping into the way that he's commercialized himself. And so that when they mocked his smile like that, I just thought, wait a minute, what have I bought into? Uh, maybe it was a phone conversation with her. I don't remember. She, she called me to tell me that. So <laughs> <laughs> Your aunt just called you. To... <laughs> yeah. Right. This So po- posting post. Babylon
1: Bee articles Thanks, leads Babylon
2: to Bee.
0: very edifying phone conversations. Yeah, thank you, Babylon Bee. You've brought Ben together with his Aunt Beatrice. Is her name Beatrice? <laughs> Yeah, how did you know? Yeah, I have a sixth sense about these things. <laughs> you
2: have intuitions. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All uh, right.
0: When you reposted that article, Ben, I would say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Elijah. Oh, Nathan, me? Nathan who, the prophet. Who, who,
2: me? Wow.
0: And Ben Solzer. I never thought of myself that way, but I think that you're right. Those are the three names. Nathan the prophet confronted David. Mm-hmm. Elijah confronted Ahab. And you. Wow. You reposted that Babylon B article.
2: Sometimes I feel like I am a Babylon B article, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> This is how I feel. (laughs) There's one other thing,
0: and perhaps the most damning thing that one can say about the Babylon Bee, which is that they often talk about and use the name of God in their headlines, which seems to me to be blasphemous. What's this? This is unprecedented. (laughs) Ouch. The the devil's advocacy alarm going off for an unprecedented
1: third time. Mm. Oh, wow. Well, Jake, you did such a good job on the first two <laughs> uh, I don't think you can you can point to anything explicitly blasphemous in anything the Babylon bee does Nathan. I think you're just trying to find some way to have a moral strong arm to be dismissive of the bee if the other two arguments fall flat. uh
0: yes, I am trying to find a moral star star strong arm. Uh, I don't think the other two arguments do fall flat, but yes it's it's always nice to have a good moral strong arm um. So I'll cop to that. Hang on one second. I'm just going to I'm going to answer you Mr. Devil one one moment please. I just searched for the word God in the Babylon's uh, bees search function thing. Let me just read some headlines here. Concerned he might be on wrong side of history.
1: That's not mocking God that's mocking the liberals out there who are calling Christians on the wrong side of history. keep going.
0: Stop sun in midday sky so worship leader can finish song introduction.
1: And it's mocking the worship leader, not God. See? Appropriate
0: use. Power of <laughs> enables drummer to play at reasonable volume.
1: Mocking the drummer. These are good targets, man, by the way.
0: Apologizes for gendered language in Bible.
1: Yeah, hey, it's mocking. Uh, that's the best target yet, mocking those Christian feminists. It's the just yeah,
0: thing they do. We're not big fans of them. Um, detained at border while attempting second coming.
1: Wow. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, uh, let, me, let me read you guys another thing. This comes from Exodus 20. <laughs> you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. That would be one of the Ten Commandments. I don't really know what else to say about it. <laughs> It's not in vain if it's to a point. Yeah, we're talking about the eternal God here. Do you really want to push it, Devil? You really want I'm to? I'm the Devil. <laughs> well, <you're>
1: okay. <laughs> <But>
0: okay. <laughs> Devil's advocacy over. Uh, do Do you really want to mess around? Okay, Grant. I'll grant your premise. If your satire is good and cutting and useful enough, then maybe it's good. But do you really want to play around with God's name? Do you really even want to take a risk? Do do you, you want to set yourself up to say my use of the Lord's name in a joke is so good and so well done that it pays for itself. It's not blasphemy. Do you, do you, do you, do you really want to mess with those things? Or uh here's an idea. Why don't you just reverence the the name of God like he commands us to do in one of the 10 commandments? The commandments, the big ones. Err on the side of caution there. It's dangerous to mess with that
1: oh but nathan you're self-righteous legalistic blah 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 yep <laughs> i guess so <laughs>
0: i guess if obeying the ten commandments and <laughs> wanting to err on the side of caution when it comes to the ten commandments especially see, when it comes to the holiness of the eternal living god makes me a self-righteous moralist then yes i'm a, I, i'm a self-righteous see, that's what moralist the
1: Pharisees did. next thing you know you'll be counting steps on sundays probably <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't know where the line is, but I just know I don't want to put a toe over the line. There's been stuff I've edited out of our podcasts before or stuff that I've stopped or been uncomfortable with and the stuff we do because I'm just like, you know what? It's not worth it. It doesn't matter if we're making a good point. It doesn't matter if it's going to be helpful to people. It doesn't matter if it'll make people laugh. These things are holy. These things are holy and you do not. there's, There's a lot of good stuff to laugh at. God's name is not one of them. It's just not. It's just not. End of story. I, I don't know if it's. I'm sorry if that sounds. I'm sorry if that sounds Pharisaical or self righteous, but I, I just really don't know what else to say about it.
1: I think that you said it. I mean, I really don't think there's anything else to say. I mean, I almost didn't want to read those headlines. I feel like I kind of have yeah. to to
0: make our point, but I almost don't want the headlines to appear in this episode because people are going to have to hear us recite vanities about God's name. I'm not a fan.
1: One could argue that it's pretty hypocritical of the bee to come at Christian worship music for vain repetitions of God's name and then to turn around and use God's name the way that they do in their headlines and in the stories. Yeah, we're not
0: even going into the stories, many of which include things that... You know, you wouldn't expect just based on the
1: headlines. Ascribing all kinds of things to God.
0: And I get that it's for humor and it's for satire and they don't really think that that's what God's doing. In fact, the whole point is that that's the opposite of what God's doing. But the point is you just, you don't treat the name of God in a flippant manner like that. You just, that's not one of the tools in your toolkit that you get to use on God. You can use it other places. But especially when they're unwilling to be flippant about their own sin. Well,
1: that's why, I mean, I'm just going to take an aside here. I rarely... I use God's name in any of my tweets. And there is a certain Twitter personage who may or may not have blocked one Nathan Alberson (laughs) who likes to make fun of Joel Osteen for never mentioning the name of Jesus in his tweets. Every once in a while I'll just decide it's funny to point out that Osteen never uses the name of Jesus in his tweets. And I think, you know what? Twitter is a pretty light and fickle and flippant medium. And we're trying to do good and serious work there. But if you search for the Lord's name on Twitter, what you're going to find is a lot of vanities, a lot of vain repetitions, a lot of meaningless tweets from even reformed luminaries who are saying almost nothing and who are therefore, I think, guilty of breaking the third commandment.
0: Yeah, and I get that it's a hard tension to live. It's a hard sometimes to figure out where that line is. But don't, you know, just don't even creep up on the line. Don't, If you're going to use God's name in the tweet, you better have a good and serious reason. And asking yourself the question of, is Twitter the place where I should ever use God's name? I think the answer is yes, but it's not a bad question to ask. I don't know. I think we're just so desensitized by watching movie after movie that says OMG and stuff like that. Uh, Sorry if I sound like an old crusty guy on a porch shaking his cane at telling kids to get off his lawn, but... I'm not, you know, it's just, it's just wicked. We can't be flippant with the name of God. We have to be cautious. We have to be careful. We have to be reverent. You remember that guy that tried to study the ark in the Bible? Because he was, you know, the ark's tipping over and then he got struck dead. That's the kind of seriousness that God takes his holiness with. Don't mess with it. You do it at your own peril. Amen. Listen, guys. It's me, Nathan. I like humor and stuff. You know, we like that kind of stuff. We'd love a good Babylon Bee, but the Babylon Bee is not a good Babylon Bee. It should be a better Babylon Bee. We stand at, here at Sound of Sanity for a better Babylon B. except for Ben Sulzer, who loves the Babylon Bee. It's his favorite publication in the world, and he retweets every article to his Aunt Beatrice. What
2: can I say? What can you say? Not much. Not much. <laughs> the Babylon B. says it for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good tool.
0: Uh, well, thanks for listening today, folks. The Sound of Sanity was engineered by Benjamin Seltzer, produced by Nathan Oberson and like all four fine Warhorn products, uh, let me try that again. Thanks for listening today, folks. The Sound of Sanity was engineered by Benjamin Seltzer, produced by Nathan Oberson and like all fine Warhorn products, executive produced by Jacob Mensel and Nathan Oberson. Until next time, stay sane.